Welcome to Making Sense with Dustin LaMontagne from Research Capital. My name is Bryn Griffiths. Here's Dustin. How you doing? Hey, real good, Bryn. How are you doing? Fine, thanks. Today we're talking about green opportunities. Where do we want to jump in on this? Well, I mean, uh, it, it's probably one of the most popular topics in uh, mainstream media right now. Everywhere you turn is green this and green that. And, um, you know, I, I guess green is it, it's kind of like beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Uh, your, your version of green might be different than mine, but um, I, I look at a lithium mine and it doesn't look very green. And I look at, uh, you know, an oil sands facility and it doesn't look very green either. Uh, I think what mo- most people are talking to, though, are the uh, emissions going into the atmosphere. Right. So. Yeah. From that perspective, uh, I've really been doing a lot of research in, uh, particularly in in the area of wind. You know, there's there's quite a few companies that focus uh, almost solely on on wind worldwide. You know, in Europe, you've got Illyrian and Orsted, and then uh, closer to home, you've got uh, Northland Power and and Borlax and Algonquin. So, um, you know, the, these offshore wind farms, are, I think, are are fairly um, profitable, uh, in terms of long-term power contracts that the, these operators have with the utilities. Now the wind doesn't always blow, so it's not the most reliable form. Uh, but certainly, uh, from a cost perspective, the, the costs have come way down on wind and solar. So it's now, you know, becoming competitive with uh, some of the fossil fuel base, particularly, uh, um, coal and, and natural gas. Um, and of course in North America, we just have such an abundance of natural gas. We'd be crazy not to, uh, not to take advantage of that. And, um, primarily you've seen the, the uh, carbon footprint in the U S I think it's about 50% ahead of, of, uh, what, what the progress Canada is making. And, and primarily that's been shifting, uh, coal, uh, fired power plants to, uh, natural gas. Um, natural gas supposedly is about one sixth the carbon footprint on average of, of coal emissions. Um, and I don't know the breakdown, whether that's, uh, you know, just from an efficiency standpoint, I know it clean burns a lot cleaner, that's for sure. Um, but, uh, a, a, a lot of the, uh, you know, stringent environmentalists wouldn't consider LNG to be on the green side, uh, or, or natural gas, uh, LNG being liquefied natural gas. But they're sure scrambling for that in Europe right now, and and I think they would they would love it if they had uh, North American type supplies. So that seems to be the focus. Everyone's scrambling for for natural gas uh, right now, and as a result, the prices are way up, of course. Uh, so uh, I think investments in in that uh, sector are going to do well for for years to come. Um, the other thing, of course, that's happening on, on the green side is you've got everyone going electric. You've got electric cars, you've got electric buses, trains, uh, semi-transport trucks. Um, they're even, even talking about electric airplanes now. So uh, I think a lot of that technology is still fairly, uh, other than the cars, of course, we've seen the, the electric car technology has come a long way. But um, there's a few companies that do buses like New Flyer and Lion Electric out of Montreal. Uh, so, uh, the, the, the trains, I think, uh, I just seen the other day that Germany brought out uh, one of the world's first hydrogen trains. Uh, the problem is hydrogen is extremely expensive, right? So when you're talking about green investments, uh, typically if you're making an investment, you want some return on your money. You don't want to, uh, put, put money into something, uh, you know, hundred bucks and then 10 years down the road, you got 50 bucks, right? Yeah. Uh, 
so governments are real good at that, putting money into things uh, and then getting less money back. So um, we, we don't want to be in that situation as individual investors. So from what everything I read and the research I do, profitability on hydrogen uh, in any source um, is probably at, at least 15 to 20 years away. Now, of course, they could make technological advancements. Right. Uh, when when capital flows into sectors, it has a way of doing that. And and I suspect if, if uh, we have a, a carbon problem worldwide, that technology is what will, will get us out of it at the end of the day. Um, so I'm, I'm really looking at, you know, from a green perspective, I was looking at some of the wind power. The, the stocks seem a little overpriced to me based on the profitability. So I haven't gone that road. Um, the, the, the road I continue to, uh, or the avenue I continue to look at in terms of green investing is actually uh, indirectly through the uh, mining companies. Because all of a sudden, uh, you know, mining companies and, and mi- mining, you know, as you know, is a fairly dirty business. There's nothing clean about a mine. Right. Um, the, the products, the end result of the products that come out of the ground once they're refined are, are nice and shiny. Um, you know, it's getting it out, though, right? That's the trick. It's getting it out. I've, I've worked in a mine, uh, you know, underground before, and uh, you, you don't come out of there very clean, right? Right. So, um, and, and everything under there gets filthy, the equipment and, uh, you know, not, not, not just the men and women working. So, uh, when, when I look at, uh, mining now considered to be a green investment, I kind of have a little chuckle to myself, but the irony of it is you cannot build out, uh, wind, solar, um, electric, and it doesn't matter what type of electric you're talking about, infrastructure or the batteries to power the vehicles, you can't build it out without no- enormous quantities of minerals. Um, you just think of a solar panel, it, it's virtually all minerals that ha- have built that solar panel or a windmill uh, or, or a battery, right? So. Yeah. When I'm when I'm looking at green investments now, I, I still have a, a fantastic long-term outlook on uh, base metals. So I'm looking at copper. I'm looking at nickel. Um, you know, co- cobalt. Things like cobalt would be a byproduct of those. So, um, in, in in terms of valuations, it's probably the cheapest uh, I've seen mining stocks in the last thirty years, apart from a, a couple of huge market meltdowns. Um, but I, I think the demand for these minerals is going to be very strong and the supplies are going to be constrained. So we're going to see higher prices, uh, you know, global, global recession, notwithstanding, of course, prices always drop in a global recession, but, uh, we're not going to be in a recession forever. It, it, if, if there is one, uh, governments will, will create stimulus again, and then the cycle will start all over again. So, um, I think because there hasn't been a lot of money put into the, uh, the global uh, base metals complex in the last 20 years, you're going to see a very tight supply situation. And these are not easy, uh, you know, elements to get out of the ground. I think it, it takes, uh, you know, seven years on average to develop a copper mine. So it's not like you can find a deposit and just bring the, the supply on stream tomorrow. It's, uh, it's very complex. And the easy, the easy metals have been found, right? All the, the high-grade deposits, they're already being mined. So any incremental uh, demand is going to be half to filled uh, be met with uh, probably lukewarm uh, economic uh, supply. 
right? Meaning that you're going to need higher prices to get some of these lower grade deposits out of the ground. That's just simple economics. And uh, I think it's going to be a very good in investment uh, sector to be involved in, uh, at least for the next uh, decade, because I, I don't think the, the electric story is, is going to die down now that it started. Um, the irony is that even in, in the mining sector, they're starting to go electric. So the, the big trucks and, and uh, you know, scoops that uh, get the elements out of the ground are all being powered by batteries now. So just, just tell me if I'm wrong though on this, we keep, well, let's use California as an example. They're trying to go all electric by 2030, but the problem they have is that they can't create enough power to charge those vehicles by the time they get to 2030. I call it cold turkeyism. You can't go cold turkey. This has to be a slow evolution to these products. And that means that obviously there's going to be offshoots and other little areas that will, uh, will benefit from that slow transition over to more green opportunities. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, and I think it's, uh, you know, a little bit like uh, after World War II where they predicted they'd get a man on the moon by 1956 or something like that, yeah. and it took till 1969, right? Right. So if you have these aggressive goals, maybe they're they're much more attainable longer term um, if, if, you, if you're working on the problem, right? Uh, but there's there's two aspects to that. There's the power generation to, uh, to charge everything, and then there's the, uh, you know, the argument that the government is taking away your personal choice, right? I mean, if they're mandating I have to buy a, uh, an electric vehicle, well, maybe I don't want an electric vehicle, right? right. Maybe I live in, uh, you know, northern Canada, and it's not very smart to have a battery-powered vehicle for five months of the year because the, the range cuts in half or, or whatever the reason. Right, right? yeah. So. I think there's, uh, you know, these governments pass legislation, but sometimes you, you get a, a change in uh, government and one, one government goes too far the other way, whether it's to the left or the right. And uh, I, I think common sense will, will prevail, whether it's California or, uh, you know, uh, other jurisdictions. So, Okay, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, because I'm sure there's a lot of people with a lot of questions about uh, green opportunities, because it's certainly a, a hot topic these days. How do people track you down? Yeah, and, and, you know, we didn't even touch on nuclear, so there's a whole... Uh, that might be another episode. Yeah, you can do a whole podcast on nuclear and, 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 and that sector, right? So, yeah. anyhow, if somebody wants to get a hold of me to talk further, they can uh, call me on my cell phone, 780-905-7729, or they can email me at dlamontang at researchcapital.com. Okay, well, that's it for this episode. We'll have more helpful hints coming your way on our next edition don't forget all opinions expressed are solely Dustin's and do not reflect those of Research Capital. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Research Capital may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Thanks for listening to Making Sense and have yourself a great day.